What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Trench Warfare Podcast. I am Brandon Thorne, and I'm joined by a special guest and one of my favorite guys to talk uh, prospects with, specifically offensive line, and that's uh, the Athletics, Dane Brugler. Dane, how you doing, man? Thanks for doing this. Oh no, it's an honor, man. It's it's we're we're kind of just pulling the curtain back. We, we talk players almost every day, so now we just uh, hit record, and you know we'll do it for for everyone else to listen to as well. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's going to make it seamless and easy for us. So yeah. Uh, just, just so people know, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Dane's work. I think uh, in terms of offensive line specifically as well, I mean, I, I feel like for, for a guy who does every position um, he's one of the best offensive line analysis uh, in the game. You look back at his prior evaluations, I feel like, you know, a lot of hits and um, yeah, I feel like we see it the same way in a lot of ways. I feel like we, we may we may express it differently in our words, but I feel like after I write a report and you show me your your report and we kind of combine notes, I feel like we see a lot of guys similarly, but then it's also fun to talk about the guys we don't. Um, so, yeah, it's, well, that's uh, that's that's hearing that that's uh, all, all the confidence I needed for today. So, no, I appreciate <laughs> it. That That's a very nice. I mean, you're. When it comes to offensive line, uh, you know, in the public space, uh, everybody knows to go to Brandon Thorne uh, to, to get his uh, opinion on these players, uh, both NFL, college prospects. So uh, to hear that from you is, is pretty awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah, for sure, man. It's 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 warranted 100 percent. So, um, the, you know, the first thing that I wanted to talk about, the first player, I guess. And to me, I don't know if polarizing is the right word, but it, maybe it is at this point, because after the combine, you know, uh, and first, you know, first and foremost, this is about Iowa center Tyler Linderbaum. And I, I wanted to dig into him a little bit because to me, at this point in the process, after we've talked about so many of these guys, I keep I keep coming back to him and my evaluation on him and my grade on him. Um, because I, I think about all these different players that he's kind of similar to and the impact that he may or may not have in the NFL based on measurements and physical stature and stuff like that. So I guess we could just start with, do you feel like maybe some, some of the tone on Linderbaum has shifted too much to just looking at what he doesn't have, as opposed to all the film he has that is just so outstanding and just so set apart from every other center in the country the last couple of years. Do you feel like that gap is, you know, is a little bit too wide and people may have forgot the tape as much, or do you think that's warranted? Yeah, I think that's a good way to frame it. I mean, how what three months ago we were talking about could Linderbaum be you know, be the first top ten center we, we've had ever? I mean, it's it feels like the conversation has shifted so much, uh, especially after the combine when we got official measurements on him. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do think that that's a fair fair way to to frame this because so much of the, the Linderbaum conversation about the lack of length and it's you know, with understanding why, you know, sub 32 inch arms is something you worry about uh, when you're lined up against, uh, you know, Perry on Winfrey, who's got 35 and a quarter inch arms. It, it, it made it simple, uh, you know, simple math in, in terms of the, the numbers there, right. He's going to be able to reach you before you can do anything about it. And uh, you know, it obviously there's ways to combat that. Uh, and it, this isn't like Tyler Linderbaum has always been a 35 inch arm guy. And now he had an accident and now he's, you know, 32 inches. He's always played this way. So it's not, you know, he has a, a very uh, great understanding of how to use the biomechanics of what he has uh, to combat whatever's thrown at him, whether it's power, whether it's quickness. Um, 
you know, you, you, you wish that his frame, you know, cause he, he has a squatty frame. He doesn't have a ton of girth and you do worry about how that will hold up, but in the right scheme where, you know, you're taking advantage of that mobility, you're taking advantage of how quick he plays, uh, how he can out angle guys on the move. Uh, I, there, there's so much to like about what he brings, especially in the run game. I mean, he, he can be a legit elite level run blocker in the NFL you do worry about in pass pro a little bit. And I think that that's fair, but I think it's also fair to say that it's shifted maybe a little bit too much as opposed to focusing just how good this guy could be uh, at the next level. And there's so many layers with this conversation. I, I think you, we have to talk about uh, the fact that he's probably a center only prospect. The fact that uh, this is, I, I mean, I think you and I both agree. This is a sneaky good center class, yep. especially on, on day two, you know, like the third round, if you're, if we're talking Dylan Parham and uh, it, you know, uh, Luke Fortner and uh, the Chattanooga kid, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, if you don't want to use a first round resource on a center, you still feel like you're going to get a good player on day two. Uh, and, and then there's the whole Garrett, Garrett Bradbury, say Garrett Bradbury never existed. You know, if that wasn't a thing, how does that change perception around the league about Tyler Linderbaum? Is that factoring into any decisions subconsciously or consciously? So, so many layers with this Tyler Linderbaum uh, conversation. Um, but I, I'd love to hear your uh, opinion on it as well. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And that's why I wanted to bring it up because I kind of wanted to dissect it a little bit because, yeah, like the Garrett Bradbury point, I think is a great one. Um, you know, I heard uh, Daniel Jeremiah recently say that with his Charles Cross evaluation, he thinks that there might be some bias in there with the Andre Dillard tag and yeah. maybe like we've talked about that before. Yeah. 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 So it's kind of a similar dynamic, you know, where maybe there's that kind of that scar as an evaluator where you were really high on Bradbury. And then it's like, Oh man, he's just not big enough. He's just not powerful enough. And it just is glaring every single Sunday. Um, And so, you know, I I understand how that conversation gets brought up and you look at his mock draftable, his spider chart, which it's only size based, right? Cause all his athletic testing was pro day. So it's not on there. So you look at it and he's most comparable to guys like Michael Minette last year, Billy Price, uh, Brian Allen, um, you know, Hironis Grasso, you know, like these smaller centers who have really struggled. That's who he looks like on paper in terms of just physical dimensions. So I totally get that. But man, I keep coming back to the film and the effectiveness that he had specifically as a run blocker. And even if you're talking about the day two, day three centers like Parham and Strange and Fortner, uh, Jurgens even. Um, I mean, his film is just set apart, you know, it's just different. And he, you know, he is playing good competition too. It's not like he is like, at, you know, UT Chattanooga or, you know, somewhere like that. So he's playing in the big 10, he's seeing, you know, at least close to NFL caliber nose tackles, you know, he did this year in Benton at Wisconsin. It was a pretty, you know, decent run stuffer um, and some, some other guys as well. So like Michigan has a couple guys that are pretty stout on the interior. And so he's seen close to NFL level competition and he's been dominant as a run blocker, not to mention the stuff he does at the second and third level that some of those names I named just aren't moving like him um, in space. So I feel like, you know, he has enough redeeming qualities to him on film and traits to where I think the physical, you know, the arm length thing really and the weight, are a little bit overblown, but at the same time, I do think that with a guy like this, a center like this, you're going to need to sort of cater to him a little bit 
in terms of how you build out your offensive line, what you ask him to do, what you don't ask him to do, the positions you put him in, the positions you try to avoid him getting into. And it's going to require some extra attention, I think, than you would then you would otherwise not want to have to do for like a high first round offensive lineman. You know, typically you want those guys to just be able to come in and, you know, do anything almost, you know, I don't think Linderbaum's like that. So that's the push and pull of this is it's, I think it is going to require, you know, an offensive line coach an offensive coordinator play designer, all those guys to come together and, and actually kind of give him some, maybe some bigger hulking longer guards, next to him in pass protection that could kind of help out, you know? So that's the, that's the thing with him. There's caveats that are built in, even though I think the run blocking is worth making these adjustments for it's going to require adjustments, you know? Yeah, no, that's, that's a great way to, a great way to put it. And I think the other thing too, it's worth mentioning with Linderbaum is just, you know, the competitive toughness, the intangibles, like that's something that you don't have to worry about uh, with him. I mean, he, he's got that bulldog mentality. Uh, The he'll play through pain. Uh, He'll uh, he started, I think what, 35 straight games. This is a guy that went to Iowa as a defensive lineman. uh, Mm -hmm. And, you know, before he moved back over to center and he's just been uh, a guy that's been a rock. He's been consistent. Uh, You see that wrestling background. Uh, a lot of people love that. Um, I mean, it's there's, there's, the selling points far outweigh uh, the negatives. It's just you have to get past the the those few negatives in order to invest up early pick in him. And it's it's going to be fascinating because I, you know, do I just did a seven round mock uh, up on the athletic, uh, and I had Linderbaum going at thirty one to Cincinnati, and I don't feel great about that. I mean, part of that is just you know the additions that Cincinnati has made in the off season. Um, I think they'd rather go corner, but it'd be hard to pass on Linderbaum. But it's, I mean, we're talking, that's the 31st pick. There's a chance, a pretty decent chance that he falls out of the first round, which is crazy when you think about it, but man, there's a team on it. If that happens, which like I said, there's a a decent chance it happens. A team in the second round is going to get a heck of a value. The Jets have two first round pick or two second round picks uh, early in the thirties. Um, you know, the Jaguars pick first at 33 Detroit's right there. I mean, they don't need a center. So I, it, it's going to be interesting uh, if we see some trade action, maybe if Linderbaum does slip out of the first 32 picks. Yeah. I mean, the, the team, the jets would be obviously a great one. Uh, Jaguars, you know, uh, Linder just retired. Um, I mean, the 49ers and the dolphins obviously are yeah. kind of like, you know, prime spots for a guy like that. Um, so yeah, that that's fascinating, man. He's, it's going to be really interesting to see on, on draft day, if he goes on Thursday night, or if he's still waiting, that's going to be one of the biggest storylines from, from my world, you know, watching the draft. Uh, I think that's going to be really interesting to see. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of layers to that conversation, but I wanted to move on um, and just ask you to name a couple guys you know, day two, maybe later day two, early day three, or even later, you know, I'd like to maybe get maybe a couple in each kind of category that you feel strongly about that you really like, that you see as either a high level developmental prospect, or maybe a role player. Um, You know, just a few guys like that, maybe just give some names and what you like about them. And then maybe we could talk about those guys a little bit. Yeah, I I did want to, I mean, sticking with center, um, for the longest time, I was kind of calling this guy the 
the day two version or the day we call him the day three version of Tyler Linderbaum. That's Cam Jurgens. Uh, but after the combine, uh, he's now the day two version of yeah. Tyler Linderbaum. Uh, and I mean, heck, these guys could both go in the second round. I, I think that's 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 a realistic uh, possibility. Uh, I mean, Cam Jurgens, a, a player that was a a tight end in high school, goes in Nebraska, moves to center. Uh, his during his redshirt year uh, in you know th- that first year, so he's only been at the position for really three seasons. Um, and with him, you kind of worried about a lot of the same things with Linderbaum. Like, you know, does he have the size? Does he have because you see the movement skills? I mean, he's blocking guys 35, 40 yards down the field. Uh, no questions about the movement skills, about the mentality that he plays with, the quickness. Um, but you know, same type of questions with Linderbaum. Uh, especially in pass pro, because there are times where he just gets he gets tied up and uh, you know kind of loses his balance. But he came in at what thirty three and a half inch arms. Uh, he was over three hundred pounds, uh, and, and so all of a sudden, some of those questions start to be well, maybe you know he's not as big of an issue as maybe we thought. Uh, you know, maybe his issues are mostly just uh, fundamental uh, type of issues where he just needs to you know, like I said, been playing the position three years give him more time to develop the uh, just the, the muscle memory uh, in terms of his technique and uh, how he responds to different types of rushers, um, how he recovers, things like that. So, uh, I mean, Cam Jurgens, I, I think I'm, I, I don't know. I went back and forth and then maybe I went too far. <laughs> he ended up as a top 50 player for me, but I know you like him as well. I do. Yeah, I do. I, I mean, everything you said is kind of the trajectory that we've been on with him. And I, I totally agree with pretty much all that. I mean, I, you know, the only, the only things that kind of differ for me is just like, like you said, like the fundamental aspects, you know, I feel like Linderbaum has a much more firm grasp, you know, on, on those, you know, portions of playing offensive line, you know, in terms of creating leverage with his hands, sustaining blocks, you know, stuff like that. So, um, you know, Linderbaum though, he, as far as, time spent on the offensive line is what is he at three or four years as well I mean not not too yeah. long right so yeah pretty, that's fair pretty similar kind of timeline of playing the position as Jurgens, and he's also you know a little bit younger I think you know like seven eight months younger than Jurgens. so you know the age thing is something that I like to look at as well with all these guys just because you know I, th- I feel like it increases that runway that you have of development for guys and you know that that means something I mean if you're drafting a guy um, you know, like Donovan West is a guy I think of who I might bring up, you know, and, yeah. you know, early day three, 20 years old. I mean, in, in three seasons from now, if maybe he's not working out the way that you wanted, not a reliable starter yet, he's going to be the same age as Luke Fortner is right now. So it's like, you know, that's interesting to me. It's like, you know, because it just kind of increases your margins for error in a way, I guess. And it just gives you more of a increased timeline. So that that's always kind of an interesting kind of aspect is age and just kind of a sidebar conversation. Like, how do you feel about that? Maybe some conversations that you've maybe had with NFL people, I'd be really interested in your own take on, on age and, and what that does for an evaluation. Yeah, it's a fascinating um, conversation. It's something that I think uh, people, some people will care too much about, and then, um, I mean, I fall somewhere in the middle where I, I do think it matters. I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's important for like my draft guide, uh, you know, every player needs, I uh, need to get their, D, their, their DOBs in there, find out exactly how old they are. Yeah. Um, and because that's, that's an important piece of the puzzle for each one of these guys. Um, and then also, and that's why the background experience is so important to me to, because a guy might be maybe say 22, 23, 
but maybe he made the switch, you know, like a, a Bernard Raymond. Uh, he, yeah. he was going to be 25 year old rookie, exactly. but he made the switch to offensive line for the first time in his life. when he's 23 years old. So even though he is an older prospect, he's younger in offensive line years. And so, you know, that's, that's part of the conversation with him. Uh, you know, each one of these guys is different in terms of where they started, uh, you know, their progression. And it, it, it's, it's all unique to each one of these players. And so it's, it, age is definitely part of it. I, you know, there are some teams, you know, the Browns, for example, uh, you know, if they're, they're not going to draft an older player in the first few rounds. That's not, that's not what they believe in. That, that's a core principle for them. A lot of teams believe in that. Um, and, and once you get to, you know, third round, fourth round, fifth round, they start to loosen up a little bit in terms of the player you go after. But ideally, you want young players. Um, and I think it can be overblown just a little bit at times because players mature at different ages. You know, I, a, a guy could be tapped out at 21 years old where a guy that's 22 maybe is still developing, still learning, still growing in ways. So I think it could be too much of a crutch at times. Like some people just look at the age and say, oh, no, you know, I not not. I mean, it, it should be more of a, a, a maybe a tiebreaker necessarily more so than, you know, what you start with. Um, yeah. And because I think it you start with the age, it kind of I think it affects how you you know look at a player uh, in, in ways. So I know me personally, and I'll be interested in how you feel about it. But like I, I age is like one of the last things that I'll look at or try to at least just because I want to get a sense for who he is on the field first. Uh, you know, maybe some background info first, um, you know, talk to people about him first and then find out the age, just because I don't want the age to necessarily be in the back of my mind and consciously or subconsciously affect how I'm thinking about the player. Yeah, I think that's a really smart approach. And I would say I differ maybe a little bit like when I start watching a guy, you know, I, I, I do like to read his bio and just kind of gather as much information as I can on just kind of his background. I mean, you are able to learn, um, I think, a lot more about their backgrounds than, than me and most people, which I, you know, I feel like if maybe I l- could learn more about if I had more sources to learn more about his personal background, I may favor that weigh that a little more than I do. But I do look at it first. So that's an important part. But I like to I, I mean, ideally, I would like to get age early on because then when I see a guy in terms of how technically or fundamentally developed or under underdeveloped he is, the age kind of works in conjunction with that, you know, kind of like you said, and it kind of helps me paint uh, a, a more clear evaluation, actually, and, and rather than maybe cloudy it to me, just because that's that's how I look at age. You know, I, I try to look at age paired with how advanced they are on the field in terms of, you know, the, the nuanced parts of playing offensive line, if they're very young and they're showcasing, you know, some of this development and advancement that to me causes me to like sit up in my chair and I'm like, okay, now age really means something, Mm. but if they're very, you know, old and they're still, you know, young football, you know, in, in football terms, like Bernard Raymond, that to me, it also causes me to sit up in my chair. So I feel like you explained it well. And, you know, I may maybe start with age a little bit sooner in my process, but I think we look at it very similarly and I don't want it to be anything more than just a piece of the puzzle. You know, that's, I try to kind of, you know, maintain that, that, you know, standpoint on it as well, but it's, it's just a, one of those interesting topics for sure. So Cam Jurgens, I would agree with you in terms of one of those day two, I, I still kind of have him in the third round, you know, but I totally get going up a little bit on him in the second, you know, if you want him, 
Uh, I feel like the Dolphins and the 49ers are the two teams that are going to love him. Uh, but yeah, so that's one. Jurgens is a great one. Is who, who would be your next guy? Uh, I mean, I, I feel like I have to mention Cole Strange um, from Chattanooga, uh, a, a guy that I know you just talked to. Um, yeah. And, you know, he, 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 he's kind of on the flip side in terms of age. He, he's going to be a 24 year old uh, rookie at, at his first training camp yep. uh, this summer. And, you know, he's, he was a six, uh, six year guy in college, kind of started at air force, uh, moved to Chattanooga, uh, really was a defensive focused guy most of his life. And then he moved the offensive line at Chattanooga, uh, mostly at left guard, also saw some time at tackle, also saw some time at center. But, uh, and, and I like, you know, that Kentucky film, uh, keep going back to yeah. uh, from this past year was just, that's what made you kind of, okay, we've got something here. And then at the senior bowl, that only, you know, furthered that, that fascination with this player, uh, just him holding his ground versus uh, some, you know, one of the few blockers that could hold his ground uh, against some of the defensive linemen that were in Mobile. Uh, Jones. It, yeah, 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 exactly. Winfrey. I mean, there was a few of these guys that just nobody wanted to face. And, but he was one of the guys that has found success and it, it doesn't, you know, it's, he's a little, I thought lean. Uh, I agree. And so I, I like doesn't have maybe the ideal mass that you're looking for, but at the same time, I, he wasn't underpowered. I, I would say, you know, like he, he, uh, he did a really nice job. Uh, makes up it, for it. Yeah, he does. It's, yeah. it's a good way to put it. I mean, he, 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 he does a really nice job it, almost at times too reliant too much on his fundamentals. Uh, but I, I think it's something that it, you could tell he really focuses on um, uh, placement with his punch um that that nasty aggressiveness that he plays with uh you really like that about him uh smart guy uh, especially when you talk to him i know you know you you can speak more to that i know you just had a conversation with him uh but there, there's a lot to like about this player as a guy that you expect to come in from day one and compete for a starting job whether it's a guard whether it's a center um at the very least he's giving you an immediate depth and a guy that uh you, you fact you think will be a factor at some point so i, I think we see him pretty similar yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, there's so many different avenues I can go there with him. I mean, I, I think after talking to him, the thing that just jumps out to me is like his personality is infectious. He's, uh, he's very candid and just like, he's funny. And there's like, you could just tell he's just one of the guys and people are going to love being around him, all that. So that, that's just, he was just an enjoyable guy to talk to. Um, but yeah, I mean, going back to more just his evaluation, you know, him being older, I do feel like uh, that kind of gives me more pause, you know, than anything, because as a pass protector, I think he's, you know, pretty underdeveloped, um, you know, and being older, you know, I don't know, you know, in terms of how much better he's going to get or how much time he has to get better at that aspect of playing the position. You know, they were a run heavy, you know, offense there, you know, that he played in. Um, and he even told me like, when he transferred or when he transferred to the offensive line from defensive line, he said he never even went into the defensive meeting room when he got to Chattanooga. It was pretty much straight to the offensive line. And he said for him, the most difficult part was pass protection, which is, you know, generally the way it is because you're moving backwards. And he said um, really just the last couple of years is the first time he got comfortable, like pass protecting, take, taking pass sets. And I feel like on tape, you can see a lot of that. Uh, there are times when it clicks, when he kind of gets into position quickly. And, and if he strikes on time, he has a very strong punch. 
um, you know, and, and you, you really like to see that. But I think in the NFL, with the dramatic uptick in competition, especially at guard, I'm not as crazy about him at, but at center, I do like the idea of him being able to get his hands on guys quicker and not playing as much space as he would maybe at guard. That to me kind of, I, I see it being a little bit more rocky for him there. So I do like him as kind of a center only guy. And, you know, you may feel like he could play guard a little bit more than I do. I, I don't think it's impossible, but I just would much prefer him at center because of those reasons. Um, but yeah, you love the competitive toughness that he brings as well. That finishing mentality, um, the strength overcomes kind of that lack of girth as well. Um, but yeah, he's, you know, another uh, interesting point that he brought up, he had six offensive line coaches during his time at Chattanooga. So he never really got that consistency to really hammer down certain techniques he, of course, spun it as a positive because that's just kind of the way he is. You know, he he looked at it like, you know, I just had a lot a lot more tools to draw from and I could pick which one fit me more. So I thought that was a good approach to it. But I think some continuity could really do wonders for him because he even told me there was a lot of times where he was unsure of how to approach different blocks. And it caused him to kind of be slow and not play with as much you know power. And so it's really it's really interesting, man. He's a guy. For me, I have him as a fourth round, you know, grade, but I understand he's probably going to go before that. But that's where I would feel most comfortable making that bet on him. Um, but yeah, I I do like him though. But where do you have him, like third or second? Yeah, I've been a third. I think he third. was in my top one hundred. He was um, somewhere in the, like the mid 70, 73. So okay. you know, yeah, mid third round, um, six offensive line coaches. I mean, that's Isn't that crazy. I yeah, that's that's got to be some type of record. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, not many players play six years, and then to have a different offensive court or offensive line coach each year, that's. Uh, I mean, that's it's yeah, no surprise he would spin it into a positive. But right. yeah, how about, how about some continuity? You know, especially for a guy making that switch from defensive line to offensive line. Um, yeah, that's that's tough. Yep, exactly. I thought that was really good. I wrote that down when he said it. That was one of those points that I'm going to add to his report that I just thought was was really uh, telling for him. But All right. yeah, um, maybe I can uh, throw out a guy here that you know I'd like to get your thoughts on. So let's go a little bit later here. I'm looking at my list. Um, what do you what are your thoughts on Spencer Burford? Because to me, this guy's he's pretty interesting, and the reason why I like him is because that unusual length on his frame. Um, it, it jumps out on film as well, you know, 35 inch arms and he's six, four and change, but I feel like the way he uses his length and pass protection to me is kind of in what I mean specifically to kind of get a little technical is like using his outside hand. I feel like he does that very well. He doesn't get caught leaning on it. He's not too heavy on it. He knows how to be light on his outside hand. He really, really accentuates his length. Well, now, I think there's some play strength concerns uh, for him in terms of anchoring. And, you know, he's not an immediate starter or anything like that. But I have him with a, like kind of a fourth round grade as well. You know, maybe later fourth, early fifth, maybe higher than some. I'm not sure. But I see him kind of as, as like a high level developmental guy who could be one of those smaller, shorter guys who could play tackle in the NFL because of what he can do in pass protection. So I see him, him having that chance, you know, that outside shot, uh, you know, in like the late fourth, early fifth, 
And at the senior bowl, I feel like we saw some of that. It fell apart for him. Sometimes he got beat inside beat, got beat quickly at times, but man, he had some really nice reps using his outside hand as well uh, and pass protection. And the reason why I, I kind of harp on that is because I feel like pass rushers really attack the outside hand in the NFL with the cross chop. I think that's the most common pass rush move we have in the game today on the edge. And that's designed to capitalize on outside strike, the outside strike and pass protection. Cause once you beat that, you have the corner, but he does such a good job of protecting the corner that to me, there's something there and he tested. Okay. You know, I think I want to say above average or so. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's pretty, pretty decent athlete. And, and I don't know. So he's one of those guys that I like in, in that range. I was just curious what you've heard and what you think about him. I'm with you. I, I think he's, I also, I gave him a fourth, fifth round grade. Um, so I'm, we're in the same ballpark there. Um, and and I, I, I saw a lot of the same things, you know, you didn't, you rarely saw him beaten around the corner. And, you know, part of that is his ability to get out in space uh, and, and also use that length. I think something, you know, just when I'm evaluating offensive linemen, um, you know, obviously you focus on who he's going up against, uh, who are the pass rushers. And I, you know, uh, compare it to like a, 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 a hitter in baseball because, you know, you're studying the pitcher. So, you know, OK, he likes to use his fastball here. He likes to use, uh, you know, change of speeds here, uh, the breaking ball here. Uh, you know, you have to know your opponent to best understand, uh, you know, what's coming and give you a chance of success. And I think that's that's what happens with uh, with Burford. I, I seems like he has a good understanding of who he's going up against, uh, you know, what, what, what they have in their arsenal to throw at him. Uh, so he can combat it with, uh, you know, with quickness, with his length, um, you know, whatever it ends up being. So, um, uh, and that's true for any offensive lineman. Um, you know, it, it's something that I think really, you know, really helps when you kind of look at it from that perspective, because there's different types of rushers, uh, different talent levels of pass rushers, and watching the, these offensive linemen try to block them, I, I think it's, you know, gives you a better perspective when you understand the opponent. So we, we have with Burford, I don't, you know, he's, I worry about him a little bit in the run game. I think he's um, still kind of developing there, yeah. uh, you know, in terms of, you know, body angles, in terms of pad level, uh, you know, his just using his hands more consistently. Um, I it just, improving that technique uh even the play strength at the point of attack i, I think he needs to get a little bit better but uh he, i think he's he's agile I, I i like the body twitch that he moves with um and you know he's a guy that i want to develop he's in the same bucket with like guys um uh, the southern utah kid braxton jones uh you know kind of a similar range like early day three if you're looking for a guy that you want to develop a tackle he'd be on my short list of guys that i, I would i would go after yeah, I think that's totally fair. So I, I know we're kind of getting close to your time limit here. And I wanted to do uh, kind of just an interesting exercise. I thought that would be fun for the listeners, fun for us. So we're basically going to build our offensive line from draft prospects and we're breaking it up in different buckets. So round one offensive linemen, and this is who are projected to go in these ranges as well, not necessarily our board. So like round one and then day two, day three undrafted guys. So from round one, we're each going to have one pick and that's going to be kind of our centerpiece. And then day two, or again, we're each going to have two. And those are going to be like our number two and three offensive linemen. And then day three, we're going to have one and then undrafted, we're going to have one. So that's kind of almost the same bucket, but you know, however you want to 
kind of break that up. We, me and Dane are looking at the same sheet right here where we kind of have guys grouped. So, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to, maybe we can just alternate. Um, So you go first, you know, guests go first. Um, So you you could have any offensive lineman in the draft. uh, And this is your guy that you're going to build, you know, your offensive line around. So, yeah, you're up. I, well, I don't know if I'm, I'm breaking hearts here or not, but I'm going to take Icky uh, at number one. You know, I know how much you like him as well. Um, but, you know, he, he's my number two player. He's my top offensive lineman in the draft, 6'4", 310. Um, you know, I, uh, uh, his ability, obviously, in the run game is what draws you to him, how explosive he is. But I thought the improvements he made in pass protection over the last year especially just – give me so much uh, optimism for not only who he is now, but what he's going to continue to grow into uh, as the technique, as the awareness continue to mature. I just think he's going to get a, a better and become a better, better player. Um, I just high level explosiveness, high level balance. Um, it, it, it doesn't matter if you're watching the first play or the final play of the game, he's given the same effort. He wants to be that nasty mauler. So give me icky. I like my tackle. Some teams like him a guard. Uh, I, I think I have versatility there with how I exactly I want to use them. The penciling in him at left tackle, right? Perfect. Yep. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to go with Evan Neal then. Uh, yeah. To me, it's, uh, you know, a tier one of tackles in the class, and those are the two guys. So I really wouldn't be upset with either one. So um, I would probably go Neal before Icky at this point. But, you know, as you know, I've kind of teetered back and forth. Um, over the last several months. And uh, I really think it just comes down to, you know, what you're building around him. And in this exercise, I may have taken Nikki first because I get to build around him and I get to, you know, theoretically have the kind of offense that I want to have and all those things. But Evan Neal is not a bad uh, consolation prize here at all because, I mean, you know, when you're building a guy in a lab, I think it looks like Evan Neal in terms of height, weight, length, and then movement skills, even though we didn't see him test, I think are uh, very good. Um, you know, I think he's a fluid, smooth mover with some explosiveness in the run game as well. Not as much as Icky, but he can certainly uproot guys and move them off the spot. Uh, I like the positional versatility as well. He brings that. Um, and back to the continuity thing, he's never played the same position, you know, in back-to-back years. Uh, and he's very young as well, like Icky, you know, the tw- both 21 years old. So I feel like we're getting some great pillars right here for, for the line. Uh, so we'll go to day two now and just, you know, kind of to give people a heads up, we put Tyler Smith and Kenyon green in the round one bucket. Cause we're assuming they're going to go round one. Uh, but that can be either or day two. We have a guy like Bernard Raymond here, who's maybe going round one. So, but yeah, the, you know, day two offensive lineman um, you, you're up, man. So where are you going? Well, are we going to alternate or do I get to go first each time or how we, how we, um, yeah, well, no, let's alternate. Yeah. Let's alternate. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, you go ahead then. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, since he's in here, I'm, I'm just going to go with, you know, the highest guy on my board, that's Bernard Raymond, um, who I kind of like a little bit more than Trevor Penning. Uh, so kind of what we've talked about, um, just in terms of being such a young football player, young to the offensive line, even though he's older in age, He's picked up the nuances of the position in terms of body control, leveraging blocks. Um, just he's a very sticky run blocker. Um, I think he's stronger than given credit for as well. Uh, and he's a really good finisher. I just feel like the arrows pointed up with him. He kind of reminds me of Jake Matthews a little bit, um, but he also could play guard for me, but I'm going to start him uh, at right tackle. 
so, you know, I'll have my tackles in place um, and we'll see how that goes. I, I like the idea that he could bump inside worst case, but, you know, I'm happy with him. And yeah, so that'll be my right tackle. Okay. So now this is where kind of strategy comes into play uh, for me. Cause I, I think my, my next highest graded player in this range would probably be Jurgens, but I, I mean, I feel so good about these centers that I don't necessarily need to draft the center here. I could wait and still feel good about the guy I'm getting. I think I'm going to go Darian Kennard here. Um, okay. I, I think uh, he, he, I think he would be my next highest graded guy on the offensive line. And I feel good about him. Uh, I'm going to put him at right tackle. Um okay. It can kick inside a guard, but you know, this is a guy that was a three-year starter at right tackle for at Kentucky. Uh, yeah, it looks a little sloppy at times, but uh, you know, six, five, three twenty. I mean, he, he comfortably carries that weight. Um, uh, you know, I, I think he's got that bully mentality that I want. He's got a lot of the physical tools I want. Yeah. He'll look to manhandle everything in his path instead of uh, necessarily playing with a little more, uh, you know, technique driven uh, play, but, I don't know. I, I, I think that if, if I'm, you know, the, the, the force that he's able to generate through his hips, through his upper half, uh, I mean, that, that's, that's really what I'm focusing on here with, with, with Kennard. And I think he's got that tackle guard flexibility. If I want to draft a, a right tackle later, I can. If I want to keep my guard uh, or if I want to, you know, uh, draft a guard, I could do that as well. So it gives me a little bit of position flex. All right. Yeah. I mean, so that's one guy I think in this class that me and you differ on quite a bit. I'm, I'm a little yeah. bit well, quite a bit lower on Kennard, but I, I do understand the appeal of all those things you said, that ability to create that torque and stuff. But yeah, so that's uh, th that's a really interesting pick. I mean, so far, you guys, I mean, you have an offensive line that is uh, going to definitely push people around and set the <laughs> that's, tone. <laughs> that's exactly so, it. That's yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, kind of what I was going for. Um, all right. So we're doing day two again, right? Yep. Okay, so this is this is tough because I, I think you could go. I could continue with that theme and go Marquise Hayes. Uh, <laughs> talk about three ass kickers right there. Uh, that would certainly track. Um, I'm gonna go and again, Cam Jurgens is my highest graded on the board. But um, again, I kind of feel good about some of the centers later. Luke Fortner, I like quite a bit. I might go. Oh, man, that's tough. That is tough. Yeah, because the thing is, day three, I don't know how many centers there that you like right. as much. But yeah. Right. All right, well, you know, I got to stick to my board, and that's Cam Jurgens. Um, plug him in at center. Uh, I, I think he, he's definitely going to be the center. Um, you know, maybe you think there could be some flexibility at guard, but you're not banking on that. Um, you know, we kind of touched on him already, and just uh, – you know, the ability that he brings, the athleticism, uh, the, the movement skills for a guy that size, he's got length. He he's got that, that mentality that you want. So I, I feel good about, uh, Cam Jurgens as my center. Man. I, I really like what you're, what you're building over there in terms of, uh, just the tone setting, the run blocking, that's right? going to be really fun. Um, yeah. I mean, you mentioned the guy that's probably highest on my board arguably right now especially for need and that's guard and that's Marquise Hayes so I'm going to go ahead with Marquise Hayes I think me and you are actually kind of probably higher on him than most yeah. um but yeah Marquise Hayes man just not only is does he have that kind of tone setting mentality of a lot of ability to generate power and uproot guys but he's uh he plays with a lot more control than I think um you would expect a guy with his playing style to, to play with 
in terms of how he deciphers things and knows when to stay patient, knows when to be aggressive, really good length. And he uses it well at times in pass protection. So yeah, I really like the idea of getting him in here and I'm probably going to run more of a, a gap type of uh, run scheme, you know, maybe more mm-hmm. multiple, but Hey, you know, he, he fits a certain scheme and that's kind of why he might go down, you know, in the draft a little bit than we have him, I think. But if you get him in that right system, I think you have a really good player. So yeah, I'm going to go with Hayes there. Um, so that's day two and day one. Now we'll go to day three guys. And yep. yeah, I mean, this, this is where it gets, you know, pretty fun. I think. <clears throat> yeah. You know, for us. And you, you're the, you're the first pick and I'm really interested to see the direction you go. You've got center and right guard left. So, and obviously you're looking towards the, you know, the, the undrafted free agents too, just to see who, who could be left for you. So that's, that's part of the the strategy here. Right. Right. And I mean, just so people know, like names that are off the board for us now, like Sawyer, Jamari Sawyer, uh, Ed Ingram, Luke Odecki, Dylan Parham, Luke Fortner, Cole Strange. These are guys that we expect to probably go, uh, you know, day two. So yeah, um, man, I, this is, this is definitely tough. Um, man, you know, since I have Marquise Hayes and I'm running more of that gap type of system, I can't really go Donovan West because he just doesn't fit that, um, you know, system as, as well as I would want him to. Um, you know what? I, I might go with, uh, Joshua Zudu right here. And oh, I was eyeing him. Yeah, man. I, yeah, I that's, like, yeah. I like the idea of putting him at right guard and man, he's a guy who played, you know, guard and tackle um, in the same game multiple times this year in North Carolina on the left side. So he's going to play on the right for me, but um, he's a guy who I really was intrigued with on film. I think he has some explosiveness and twitch to his game, uh, really good length as well that he uses um, to his advantage to establish that first meaningful contact on guys, good finisher as well. Um, so kind of fits the mold of what I'm building and yeah, put him at right guard. That's, that's a really good pick. I mean, it's uh, when, you know, we were talking about the, my favorite day two, day three guys that that's, that's what I was going to mention next. Um, I think he's, (laughs) he's just a guy that battles, you know, I mean, guard tackle, he just, he just battles and and he's, he's going to come in, give you legit position flex and um, compete for a starting job. I think I, I, he was like, uh, he was one of the five guys that I hated leaving out of my top 100 uh, as I kind of stacked that, that really wanted to get him in there. Um, okay. So my day three offensive line. So um, I, I've got both my guard spots open, or if I want to, um, you know, move one of my other guys inside, I could do that. Or if, if I want to move like Kennard inside. So like, like Abraham Lucas, uh, like, I don't know that he necessarily fits what I'm doing, but the value is outstanding. So it makes that, that's a, that's a discussion point there. I think, I think Lucas ends up being a second round pick um, wow. after, after what he, how he tested um, teams are always looking for tackles. Uh, yeah, he's might be a right tackle only. Um, and you do worry about him in the run game when, you know, he played for such a pass happy offense. Um, so that would be an option if I want to move Kennard inside to guard and put Lucas at right tackle, just talking strictly value. Yep. Um, you know what? Let's go with, let's, what about Logan Bruss? Ooh, uh, 
I like Bruss, man. Yeah, let's 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 put him in there. Uh, let's put him at right guard. Yeah, uh, a, a guy that you know I think fits kind of the mold of what I'm building here on the offensive line. Um, you know, ha- has that tackle experience, but I think he's he's going to be a guard. Uh, yeah, as long as he's healthy, I feel good about adding him to my team. Yeah, that's it's funny. I mean, kind of how you feel about about Azudu. I kind of feel like what way about Bruss as well. He'd be one of my guys on day three that I I really like. Man, the more I watched, he grew on me. Um, I really like his base and body control strength. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's that, that's a really good pick there. I think so. All right, um, we each got one spot. So I got center. You got left guard. Uh, man, so man, I mean that means I get first pick, right? Yeah, yeah, you do. You do. Okay, so I'm gonna go with. Let's see what we have. Uh, I mean, could just go with the uh, big old Bill Dunkel and just you know uh, let him uh, eat up eat up defenders. Uh, but I gotta go Zach Thomas here. I think uh, you know he's from San Diego State, six five, three ten. Uh, yeah, he played a lot of tackle, mostly tackle, but I think he's going to be, I like a better at guard. I'll be interested to hear how you feel about him. Tackle versus guard. Uh, he, he's a guy that uh, he's, he's, he could be a drive blocker. Uh, he, he's nimble. He moves well. Uh, I, I really like what he does in the run game, just generating movement. Um, he can get to the second level. He can redirect well versus inside moves. So I, I like Zach Thomas there. Great pick, dude. I mean, I'm I'm higher on him than I think, you know, maybe even you are. I have him yeah. with like a late round five, early round six kind of great. I, I like him quite a bit. And it's just because of the run blocking. I feel like that's something that he is so clearly adept at and good at that he can just kind of build on that while his pass protection cleans up, which I, I think needs a lot of work. But the run blocking, he's very skilled and Man, when, when he gets inside of a guy, he, he, he creates a lot of movement. He plays a great pad level. Um, and I love the length and the athletic ability as well. I just, I, you know, so that's a, that's a great one. Um, so for center, man, I mean, you know, it's funny because the, the one guy I haven't done a report on out of this group, we have a lot of centers right here. Yeah. Um, you know, Dawson Deaton, I haven't watched him yet, but I, from what I've heard, he's more kind of like a zone type of center, you know, mm-hmm. wins with movement skills, athletic ability. So, you know what, I, I'm probably going to go with uh, Brock Hoffman right here okay. and put in a guy who's, you know, kind of brings that tone setting uh, presence for sure. You know, maybe the, the body control um, isn't, you know, where you would want it to be. I think he can maybe, you know, clean that up a little bit if he, you know, refines his technique in terms of his footwork and hand placement. Um, but, man, when he gets latched inside of a guy, I think his grip strength is is really good. Um, and, and his ability to control guys uh, when, when his base is strong is pretty impressive. Um, so, yeah, there's something to him. There's that grit factor there. And you know, that, that I really like in a center. Um, so if I'm going to roll the dice on an undrafted guy, you know, he'd be one of my, my, my first calls, I would think at center. And he fits into exactly what I'm trying to build with my offensive line as well. So yeah, man, that's those, those are our, our units. I, I did want to maybe go like another, like sixth offensive lineman key backup but if you don't have enough time totally get it but no, we, yeah we could fit it in uh yeah, let's, let's just go one more if there's if he's not on this list if there's another guy just anybody that you want to just have is like that backup you know key backup guy okay well ideally you know 
Oh, we pick which, which bucket are we picking from? Uh, like, if if there's a day three guy okay. here that you think could potentially get undrafted, I say go for it. Um, or just an undrafted guy. Yeah, one of those two. Uh, how about my my guy Ryan, Ryan Vandermark uh, as okay. my swing tackle? Uh, you know, just a guy that. Uh, can play left side, can play right side, ta- tackle, really long player. Uh, I, I feel like I'm higher on him than most. Um, but, you know, I, I have got him as a late round pick, but, you know, there's a good chance he goes undrafted as well. But I I, I, I like him as uh, kind of like what you were saying about Hoffman. If I can get Vandemark as a, as a free agent, uh, I'm, I'm liking what, you know, the value there uh, with a guy like that, with his experience. Uh, I think he brings a little bit of versatility there and I love how long he plays. So uh, another guy that's got the play personality that, that you're looking for. Yeah. That, that's a good one for sure. Especially in, at this point. Um, yeah. So what, what are your thoughts on the, the chances of Chase and Hines getting drafted? Is that a hundred percent sure thing? I wouldn't say 100%. I think the biggest thing I hear when I talk to uh, people about Hines is just they they expected more. Like his trajectory was, you know, going north and then, you know, some weight issues. And, you know, it's it's just been rocky for him and just, you know, not really consistent. But when you've got a guy that is that size and flashes explosiveness, uh, you know, I, I think that teams might take a chance on him. But, I mean, he's – he might be in the bubble. Uh, I think that's fair then. To... Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So that that'll be my guy. He's he's a you know guard center. I, I think potentially play either one. But man, when I watch him on film, when he gets going, he is he's moving through people, um, and that just that alone, you know, is something to work with because there's an element of raw kind of explosive power to his game. Mm that I think if you could clean up some of the things that he does or doesn't do with his hands, he's a little wild, you know, he'll, he'll, he won't sustain blocks at a super high level, but he will definitely uproot guys. Um, and he moves very well uh, as a puller as well. That Alabama game, he had like six or seven pulls where he's just blowing guys up. Um, and that fits into my gap type of scheme, you know, with Marquise Hayes, who's a great puller. Uh, I'd love to get him in, in, you know, behind him and, and potentially back up or take the job from Hoffman one day, who knows? So, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go with Chase and Hines there. That's a good pick. Yeah. I, I agree with yeah, pretty much everything you said. He's, uh, you know, Ed Ingram gets most of the, the love, uh, of those LSU guards, but Hines, yeah, there, there, there's something there. I, I I'd agree. Cool. All right, man. Well, kept you a little longer than I wanted to, but I'm excited to get this out for people. I think they're going to enjoy it. And, um, I'll get our, our offensive line lineups uh, put hopefully in the graphic maybe or something. That'd be cool. But yeah. yeah, so this was awesome, man. I appreciate the time. No, of course, man. Anytime.